are in our final week talking about work. And this is our final week in this series, so uh, if, if you're new joining us or if this is a topic maybe that you're interested in, I would encourage you to go back and uh, check out the others on our website. But many, many people will say that faith changes their life in some way. Many people will say that faith changes their life, and, and may, maybe that's what you're looking for. If you're kind of, maybe you haven't been to church in a long time, maybe you're kind of checking things out again for the first time, or maybe you're not even sure necessarily what you believe. I know we have a lot of people like that every Sunday, and so maybe that's where you are and you've kind of heard that faith kind of has the power to change life or you're interested in that or curious about that, that might be uh, what you're looking for. But, but many people will say faith, faith has the power to change their life in some way. And oftentimes when people talk about that or oftentimes when, when I talk to people about that, the things that I will hear is, man, it, it's really changed my marriage. Or maybe it's really changed. Um, maybe it's really changed just kind of my my sense of self, my identity. I really experience a new sense of grace or a freedom from shame. Or or maybe sometimes people talk about the way it's affected their relationships, and they're able to forgive somebody that they weren't able to forgive before. Or they're able to uh, extend grace to people they weren't able to extend grace before. Or maybe it's community, and and it's given me kind of a new family. A lot of different things like that. People say, "Man, faith has a power to change life." And all those things that I mentioned are are great things. All those things are, are great things, your marriage or your relationships or your sense of self and identity, all, all those are great things. But what we've been talking about in this series is the biggest part of our life, the thing that we spend the most time doing besides anything else in our life, the, the, the activity that we are most engaged in, about 85% of our entire lives, the, the thing that is the biggest part of our life is, is work. And yet often, People don't necessarily say, man, faith has changed my life. It's got this power. It's changed my, my job. Usually that's not something that people say. We talk about how it affects marriage or it affects identity or it affects relationships or it affects community or our sense of self, all these different things. But a lot of times we don't mention the fact that it touches the biggest part of our lives. And maybe that's because it doesn't. Maybe that's because we don't understand or we haven't allowed the power of faith to actually touch the biggest part of our lives. But, but here's just kind of my question is, if you believe that faith has a power, or if maybe you're interested, so maybe you're a Christian, you're bought in, right? So you say, yes, I believe faith has a power to change life. I've seen it change my life. Or maybe you're not sure, right? So you're still kind of exploring. You're still discovering. But, but if we believe or if we think maybe faith has the power to change life, maybe it has that power. What would happen if it actually touched the biggest area of our life? What would happen if it actually was able to touch and transform the, the, the activity that we spend the most time doing? If, if faith is a power, if faith can change things, what would happen if it touched our, what would happen if it touched our work lives? What would happen if it affected our work lives? Now, over these three weeks, we, we've been talking mainly about some of the kind of subjective ways that this happens. We talked about kind of God's purpose for work and what God's doing with work to begin with. We, we talked about the second week, well, you know, some of us have this tendency to overwork and we're getting a sense of identity out of our work and, and what happens if faith comes in and gives us a new sense of rest. And, and then last week we talked about, man, if you don't like your job, the kind of power that faith can have internally to begin to transform that. But what about just the practical day-to-day -day stuff? What if the power of faith that people claim can, can change your marriage or can change your community or can change your identity, what if that power touched the day-to-day -day stuff of your work? 
And we've talked about a little bit of that here and there over the last few weeks, but, but today I really want to dig into more of the practical, how would your work change? How would your work change if faith touched it? So that's what we are talking about today. But, but I just want to start with this question is, should our faith change our work? And some of this, if you've been here the last three weeks, you hopefully are saying, yeah, I, I think it should, but, but maybe not. Maybe it's still, maybe you're not totally bought in. Maybe it's still just kind of like, you know, faith, it's just, work is just a job. It's just a job. Yes, I've got my life, I've got my family, I've got the things that matter, I've got the things that are important to me, but my job is just my job. And I don't know if my faith necessarily touches that or influences that at all. So I just want to start with this question is, should it change our work? Should faith? change our work? Should our relationship with God change our work? Should our beliefs about who God is and what he's done, should that change our work? And so let me just give you an example. Let me just give you an illustration. Many of you have probably been to the, maybe you've got a favorite restaurant and you've been to the same restaurant. You've been to the same restaurant and it's got the same food and it's got the same decor and it's got the same uh, chefs in the back, and it's, it's got a lot of the same stuff, but if you have a different waiter, that can radically change your experience, right? I mean, you can go to the same place and eat the same food and, and sit in the same booth or the same table, but if you have a different waiter, that can radically change the experience. That can radically change their experience. Or, or think about maybe, maybe in your actual work, your actual job, if you think about um, maybe you deal with different, different companies or, or maybe you're not, maybe this isn't what you do in your job, but just as you contact customer service or something just as a normal human being. And you're, you're dealing with the same company and you might be dealing with the same problem. Your internet's slow or, or you're trying to work on some contract if it's kind of related to your work. But if you have a different person that's representing that company, if you have a different person that's representing that company, it can be an entirely different experience. That you can have kind of all the same stuff, same job description, and same, and same company, and same food, and same, I mean, same so much stuff, but a different person changes the experience dramatically. And why is that? I mean, it could be a lot of reasons. It could be that they have kind of different training or different ex more years on the job. It could be they just have kind of a different personality that lends themselves to whatever job they're doing. It could be because they have kind of a different uh, background that, that they've experienced. That's influ it could be all sorts of different factors, right? But there's something underneath that leads the same person to do a different job. Or, or maybe let me give you another example. Think about just how different countries do things differently. Maybe some of you have visited a foreign country, and you visited there for whatever reasons. Maybe it was for some sort of mission trip kind of thing, or maybe it was just for vacation, leisure, or business. And you know that when you travel to other places, they do things differently. There's different customs, and there's different food, and, there's, and, and maybe, maybe some of you have come from another country, and you've come here. I know I've talked to some of you where that's the case, and, and it's like, well, it's, it's kind of the same. There's some things that are the same, but there's still differences. You talk about kind of different things that were kind of childhood traditions here in America, but it's not the same for us, or you talk about kind of different, uh, use language a little bit differently than we use it, or my kids, my wife and I recently adopted, and they're from Costa Rica, and they, they, there's things differently about Costa Rica. There's different kinds of foods. There's different kinds of uh, just views of, of just leisure and time, and there's, there's just different kinds of stuff that different countries have and operate from, right? So all of that is just to say this, that something, you can have the same kind of person, the same job, the same, 
all of that, and yet something underneath, something underneath can lead it to be an entirely different experience. Something, whether it's our background or our experiences or our citizenship or something, can have an effect that leads us to do things very differently. Now, if, that, if that's true, if your training or your years on the job or the country you're from, if that has the power to affect things, wouldn't faith have the power to do that? If, if you can say, yeah, my years on the job or my personality drastically affects, man, I had this waiter and it was good or this waiter and it was bad or I was from this country and it was this way. And if, if that's true, what if you had a totally different identity? Wouldn't that change how you do your job? And, and this is actually what the Bible teaches. Look, look how Paul says this. He says, our citizenship, so even to use what we were talking about with a country, is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a teaching that the Bible talks about all the time. There's so, I mean, this is just one little verse, but there's so much packed into that. It says, if you are a Christian, if you're somebody who has, has been saved by Jesus, who has been brought into the family of God because of what Jesus has done for you, if that's who you are, you are now a citizen of a different kingdom. You're now a citizen of a different kingdom. We have a different king. And if that's true, spiritually speaking, if that's true, if that is now something that's at the core, and that's what faith is, not just faith is something of, hey, I'm not going to hell and I'm going to heaven, or uh, Jesus died for my sins, but it's something more than that. It's that you're actually a citizen of a different country. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. If that is true, if that's at the core, wouldn't that have the power then isn't that something that is bigger than personality or years on the job or training or an experience or all or even a different country that you might be from? That that should drastically affect all of our life and work is most of our life. So, so here's just the answer to the question. Should, it, should our faith change our work? What the Bible says is you are a citizen of a different kingdom. And if being a citizen of some other country would change a little bit how you do things or relate to things or if your personality or some of that would change a little bit how you do things, being a citizen of a different kingdom should drastically change things, which means this. What does it mean? What does it mean for you? I, and I don't know everybody's jobs in here, but what does it mean to be, if, if your faith should change your work, what does it mean to be a Christian, a citizen of a different kingdom? What does it mean to be a Christian teacher or Christian analyst or Christian engineer or Christian barista or Christian real estate agent or a Christian nurse or a Christian developer? What does that mean? And, and I don't know all, all the answers to, to what that looks like, but it means that if we are citizens of a different kingdom, if there is something underneath that has a greater power than just your years on the job or your personality or the country that you're from, if there's something underneath that is that radical of a shift, it should mean it's different. It, it, doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean it's weird. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you're a nurse, you show up and you're like, I don't need gloves because Jesus has cleaned me. You know, it, does, it doesn't mean that you're, you just pray about every, you know, it doesn't matter what the code looks like. I'm just going to pray that God will make all the pieces fit together. It, it, doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean weird stuff and that it's like hyper-spiritualized or something. But it should mean there's a big difference. If other things can have a difference on how the same person does the same, how a different person does the same job. If other factors can influence how a different person does the same job, then being a citizen of a different kingdom should radically change it. 
It should radically shift it. And, and here's what this means. It means we should have answers for what that looks like. I don't, I don't know all the ways, and we'll talk about a few, but, but I just want to push in and ask you to consider that. You should have an answer for whatever job that you work in. This is what's different because I'm a Christian. This is what's different because I'm a citizen of a different kingdom because you have a more powerful operating core than any other factor that, that might make a difference. So let's walk through a few things. And, and some of these will um, be more relevant to some of you than others. But I want to just answer the question of how it affects a few practical things. First is this, how does faith change how we choose our work? How does faith change how we choose our work? I, I talk to people all the time. I mean, this week, I talked to several people that are thinking about changing jobs or looking for what job should I have next. Some of you are considering this. Some of you right now are in a phase where you're thinking about maybe a career reset. Maybe you've done the same job for a while and you're thinking, man, maybe it's time to kind of reset, kind of reinvent myself. Some of you maybe are uh, just dissatisfied in the job that you're in. Or maybe some of you are just getting out of school, so you're starting to look for that job or what that job is going to be. And, And a lot of us kind of hop from job to job, kind of change from this job to that job and Especially if you're kind of in the millennial generation, that's classically been seen as, man, you know, your, your grandpa worked the same job for 60 years and got a watch and retired and that was it, right? Um, and, and now none of us have watches, right? So, so there's a big change. So there's no incentive to stay with the same company. Um, we have it on our phone. And so we switch jobs to jobs. Um, and, you're, and we're anxious often about finding the right job feel really unsettled. Sometimes people stay in one job for a long time, not necessarily because they like it, but because they're just anxious about what else would I choose and I don't know what to choose. Or, or sometimes we just keep switching jobs because we're, we're like, okay, I thought that one was going to be it, but it's not. I'm going to go to this one. Or, I mean, there's a lot of choosing a job angst. That used to be a thing that was just kind of for college students, and it still is. But it, it's something now, I think, that many of us experience even in the middle of our work. We're very unsettled. And so I just want to answer this question is how does faith change how we might choose our work? So if you're in a in a situation right now where you're thinking about different work or or you're thinking about a career choice to begin with, how do we normally choose a job? The the way we normally choose a job is is just kind of what's good for me? What do I want? Or we might think we might choose it based on the amount of cash that it produces. We might choose it based on the status that we feel it provides. So certain jobs just have kind of different status. And so we might choose a job because, man, this, if I can answer, this is what I was talking to someone this week that was saying, man, when I answer, here's what I do, I don't feel the sense of kind of like worth or identity that I would want to have in answering that question. So sometimes we choose a job because of the status or the identity that it provides us, or sometimes it's just the amount of cash that it provides us, or sometimes it's just, man, what do I, just what do I want to do? But if we begin to ask a different question, which is what we've looked at of what the Bible teaches about work and, and what it's for, we start with a different question. See, the, what the Bible says that work is for is to serve God. And to serve, that's what God's purposes are for work, which is to serve the world. We've looked at this verse several times, but it's foundational to the conversation about work. And and Paul says, whatever you do, work heartily. That means with all of your heart. Whatever you do, work with all of your heart as for the Lord, not for men. That means that your work is an assignment from God. 
It means that your work is something that God has given to you. It means that your work, whatever, whatever company name, whatever boss name you have, that's not really who you're working for. Really, who you're working for is Jesus. And what God's purpose for work is in the world that we looked at is it's to serve the world. God wants to love and serve and bless and take care of the world. Which means here's what our work should be. Here's the question that we should ask when we're thinking about our work. We should ask, how can I best serve the world? Now, for, that doesn't automatically mean you're all working at a nonprofit. That's not what it means. But you look at yourself and you go, what's the gifts that God's given me? What's the experiences that God has given me? What's the abilities that God has given me? And how can I best use those to work for him and his purposes, which is to serve the world? So how can I, based on who God's made me to be and the background that God's given me and, and who he's, how can I best partner with him to serve the world? That, that should be the beginning, and that's not often the beginning at all, right? Like, I mean, if we're just honest, when we were thinking about our career choices, if you've kind of already made some of those decisions, or if you're in the middle of that right now, that's not the main, if at all, anywhere factor that we think about. We think about, well, what might give me a little bit more paying job, or what might move me up the ladder, or what might... But how often do we actually say, this is what taking seriously, this is what actually moving faith and work connecting practically looks like. It means from a career choice, I mean, think about how important a career choice is. I mean, that's what you are going to be spending most of your life doing, and so often that's cut off from God. But what it means is that we say, how has God designed me? How has God made me? What's the experience to, to, for me to be able to best serve the world? You know what that would do? You know what that would change in our life? That would change so many things. I mean, so, so often when we end up choosing a job that we're not actually designed to best be able to serve, we hate it. And maybe it gives us status and maybe it gives, it, uh, gives us money, but we just hate it. We, we just hate the job. And so we're always kind of burnt out because we're not actually using the gifts God given us. We're not actually, we don't actually have a, a purpose where we say, no, I chose this job because I am here to serve God and I'm here to serve the world. And, I'm, and so I can really see the connection. If we're just operating out of status or we're just operating out of cash, if we're just kind of operating at that level, then it means so many times we hate our job, we're burnt out in our job. But what would happen if we actually just took this seriously and said, okay, okay, you know what? I'm going to choose. And, and if you're kind of deciding your next career choice, I want you to really do this. I want you to really consider this question. How has God designed you? How has God made you so that you can best serve in this, in this world. Now, may, we don't all have that luxury. I just want to say that also. Some of you, man, you just gotta, you didn't just need to pay the bills, right? And you, we don't all have this luxury. And in the world, uh, you know, in our world, we don't all have this luxury. So that's okay, right? But if you do have the luxury, if you do have the luxury to actually sit down and think about what's my next career choice going to be, what's it going to look like, what's the move I'm, if you do have that ability, this is how faith begins to affect the choice that you make. It might, change, it might change the kind of career you're in. Or it might just change how you are doing the job that you're in. Or, or maybe it leads you to actually become an entrepreneur and start something completely different. Because you say, man, I feel like God has given me these gifts and these abilities, and I really want to serve in the world and serve in what God's doing, so I'm going to start something. 
I mean, so many companies have been started, so many different you know, businesses have been started out of a certain vision, out of a certain passion, out of a certain purpose that people have. Shouldn't faith lead us to do that all the more? To say, man, I want to join with God in serving this world. So that, that's the first part. It, it's a different way to choose our work. We understand that God wants to serve people. God wants to love and bless this world, and he invites us to be a part of that with him. But, but it also affects our, our ethics in our work. And, and I know that's not probably something we think about a lot of time. We might think about our work ethic, but we don't think about ethics in our work. But we make moral choices in our jobs every single day. We make moral choices in our work all the time, even without thinking about it. We, we are making choices in our jobs all the time. I mean, you, you can read in the news when it kind of bubbles up to the surface and there's some sort of explosion, right? When there's corporate lawsuits or there's discrimination or there's, um, all, you know, all the stuff that happened back in 2000, what was happening before 2007, but kind of the big financial crash and everything that led to that. I mean, there, there's, we, we often hear in the news about kind of the bubbling up of, man, ethics have gone wrong in the workplace, but it's not just those big things. I mean, every single day, you and I are making moral choices in our jobs. And how does our faith affect that? How does our faith change that? Well, when we, when we look at the Bible and what we've been looking at, what we understand is that we work. We work, and when we are working, we're working to reflect and represent God. We're working in every single choice that you make to represent and reflect what he's like. This is what Paul says in the same, just a few verses before he said what we looked at, where he said, um, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. He says, whatever you do, in your words and in your deeds, and that kind of sums up what we do at work, in the things that you say and in the actions that you make, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. This means, in, in your job, here's what it means. Whatever you say and whatever you do, we're to do it to represent Jesus. And that's a different kind of standard of ethics. Now, you might read this and go, absolutely. Yeah, I totally am going to do that at church or you know, with my spouse or with my kids or with my family or with my friends. But this gets cut off. This is, this is kind of what I've been trying to say throughout this whole series. So much of what the Bible says about things, we cut off from work. But what would it mean if we really took this seriously and said, I am here in my job representing Jesus. It has a lot of effects. I mean, just on a personal level, it's about honesty and integrity. Here's something that Proverbs says. It says a false balance. So think about something weighing things. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, this is specifically talking about commerce. It's specifically talking about work. It's talking about financial transactions and trade. And What if you took this seriously? What if you really took from a personal standpoint, because I'm here to represent Jesus, because in everything I do, in everything I say, is it filled with integrity? Is it filled with truth? In everything I, I mean, how would this change your ethics? Let me, let me give you a couple examples. Do you ever kind of fudge on your travel expenses? Well, everybody does that or everybody, yeah, but you're there not working for a boss. You're working for Jesus and you're there to represent him. And Jesus is a person of truth. And it says, you know, you know, there's famous verses that the Bible talks about things being an abomination. But this says, you know what's an abomination? You know what's an abomination? Just fudging the scale a little bit. 
You know what, you know what lies, you, you know what lies about what God is like? You know what doesn't represent accurately what Jesus is like is when we cheat. That that's an abomination to God. You ever fudge on your travel expenses? See, our, our faith should change our ethics at work. That we have a higher standard than even what everybody's doing. Or on your time card, or when you're clocking in and clocking out, and your sheet round up a little bit to that next, that next hour, that next minute. When you're working for a client. Or what about, I know this sounds just silly, but what about taking office supplies from work? I mean, that might not sound like a big deal, but we sh shouldn't our ethics change that we go, man, I'm here to represent Jesus. I'm here to represent Jesus. I'm here at the highest standard to not cheat, to not fudge on things. I mean, what about, I mean, you, you can think, I mean, there's so many different things, but just from a personal standpoint, ever call in sick to work and you're not sick? I mean, I, these are things that everybody does, right? And here's, here's my point with that, to say everybody does it. There's so many things from an ethical standpoint that we say everybody does it, so why does it matter? But what is that saying? That's saying that we're working for a boss, not for Jesus. That's saying that our faith is disconnected from our work. That's saying that all the things that we believe about cheating or lying or stealing or things being, it's saying, yes, all of that is supposed to exist over here, but this is my job. And then we cut off the biggest part of our life from God. We cut off the biggest part of our life from God. And here's why it matters. Because we are at work working for Jesus. So we're stealing from Jesus. We're cheating Jesus. We're taking from Jesus. And we are lying and misrepresenting what he's like. Paul said that everything we do, whether in word or deed, we're to represent him and say, this is what he's like. And God is truthful and God is just and God is honest. We misrepresent him. Or think about this. That, that's kind of just from a personal standpoint. But what about from a business standpoint? I mean, each whatever industry you're in, whatever you do, whether you're in the med medical field or you're in uh, law or teaching or selling things, whatever you're in, each business has unique challenges. Each business has unique ethical challenges that we face. Absolutely. I remember talking to a, a doctor once who was telling me, she said that the insurance, and you know, I'm not trying to pick on doctors if you're in the medical industry or if you're in the insurance industry, but she was telling me as a Christian that the insurance industry communicates with the medical field and really a doctor is supposed to, a doctor is supposed to, because of the insurance industry, they're supposed to charge at the highest thing that they can possibly charge it at so that they can get paid the most from the insurance. So if you come in and say, man, my finger's really hurting, they, instead of hurt finger, which maybe costs $10, then they're supposed to put sprained finger, which is maybe $300. Some of you are like, I knew it! You know, yes, you did. But see, it's all corrupt. And she was saying, man, that's a challenge for me as a Christian. It's a challenge for me as a Christian to navigate that because my employers, the insurance industry, were supposed to do this. But knowing, man, the ethical thing to do is actually, the most honest thing to do is to say hurt finger. Now, look, I, you all have different industries that you're in and all have different challenges that you're in. But it, it would mean something. It would mean that we operate from a principle that is saying not just what is legal, because that's legal. In 2007, with all the different things that they were doing, with shortcutting mortgages and all that stuff, I mean, all that was legal. But there's a difference between what is legal and what is loving. There's a difference between what's legal and what's loving. And what the Bible says is that our highest ethic, look how Paul says this. He says the whole law, God's entire law, every command that God's given is fulfilled in one word. 
and this isn't one word, but I mean, he means like one sentence. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Or maybe the one word is love. But you, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, again, if you're a Christian or even if you're not a Christian, but you've just kind of heard church stuff before, everybody knows this. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the golden rule. But what would that change if you brought that into your work? What would that change if that was the framework for the whole law of your entire ethical perspective when you come to work is not just what's legal, what can I get away with, what do most people do, what is my boss okay with, what are my coworkers doing, what's the industry standard? What if none of that was your question, but your question was this, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. What, 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 would, what would happen if that was your question? It would change things. See, this is what it means to begin to operate at a different center with, I'm a part of a different kingdom. I'm a part of a different kingdom. In God's kingdom, these are the questions that are, this is how work is chosen. In God's kingdom, this is what decides what, this is what God's ethic is. Isn't that amazing that that's what God's heart and God's ethic is towards us? Is God says, what is love? See, this is one of the big conversations that Jesus got into with the Pharisees all the time is they wanted to look at the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. They wanted to look at the, the nitty-gritty things, you know, like just as for example, on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work. But then they would get upset when Jesus, when he was healing someone on the Sabbath because they're saying, well, you're doing work. And he said, yeah, I'm doing work, but you're, you're, you're not understanding. Like the spirit of, of God's law is to give rest, and I'm giving rest to this person. See, that's a different kind of ethic. If the ethic is, what is love? If the ethic is, what is love and what is representing what God is like? That would change things in your job. And again, I don't know all the implications. Maybe you've got decisions you're trying to make right now. Maybe when you show up at work tomorrow, there's certain things you're trying to decide between. Am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? Or maybe you're just faced with this every single day. All sorts of different decisions. And again, every industry has its own unique things. I couldn't possibly try to you know, give you a thousand illustrations that would answer it all. But, but if this is how your ethics were influenced, what is representing Jesus? What is true and honest from a personal standpoint and, and from an industry standpoint? Not just what is legal, but what is loving? What is loving? That's, that's how faith begins to change our ethics, which sometimes means we're not seeking after profit, but we're seeking to bless people. I mean, sometimes, I'm not saying all prophets wrong, absolutely not. But, but, it, but it would mean that sometimes that's not the guiding factor. But the guiding factor is how can I love people? How can I bless people? How can I serve people? We pursue the highest standards of ethics because we're saying, God has loved me. God has accepted me. God has blessed me. God has served me. And I then want to do that with others. And how about this? How does faith change our posture towards others in work? So much of our work life is relationships, right? So much of our work life is relationships. You've got relationships with coworkers. You've got relationships with bosses. You've got relationships with other businesses or other companies that you're working with. You've got relationships with clients. You've got, I mean, it's relationships all, all the way through, right? So again, there's a lot of ways that faith would change our posture towards others in work. But, but let me say this, you are going to be sinned against in your work. You know this. I mean, I don't have, that's not like, what? No, you're going to be sinned against in work. 
People are going to mistreat you. People are going to lie to you. People are going to hurt you. People are going to gossip about you. People are going to yell at you and be harsh with you. And there's all sorts of stuff that you're going to experience in your job that is the brokenness of this world coming at you. You are going to experience that. You're going to taste that. I want you to think even just now, maybe, maybe there's a particular person in your work that's just really difficult. That's just really hard. That could be for a lot of reasons. If you're an employer, it could be, you know, they're lazy or they're, they're not handling, you know, they're, they're doing certain things in the company that they're not supposed to be doing. If, if you're an employee, it, it could be all sorts of different things. But, but think of a difficult person in your work. And you know what the Bible says our posture, our main posture towards other people is supposed to be? Here's how, here's how Paul says it again. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, again, we know this, right? I don't think this is anything new. Hey, as a Christian, you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to be kind. That's not rocket science. That's not something that's a big aha. But the big aha that often happens, again, is is this how we treat people at work or just maybe our community group or at church? Or, but if, 90, if 85% of our life is cut off from God, then 85% of our life is cut off from God. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Think about this, what it says about God. It says that God's heart and God's posture towards us is that he has a tender heart. Look, I don't, I don't know your life and even this week of different sins and things that you've done or struggled with, whether that was this week or in the past, but, but you know what it says about God to you is that he has a tender heart towards you. You know what it says about God? That he has a tender heart. That his heart is gentle. And I mean, think about like a piece of meat. And if you want to get, if you want to eat, I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian, but if you, if you want to, you can, you know, substitute this as a mushroom, okay? But think about like a piece of meat. And if you want it to be really good, you slam that thing and tenderize it. They, they develop de- devices that are tenderizers. That's all it's for is to smack and pound a piece of meat. It's got no other purpose. You don't use it on carrots. You don't use it. I mean, you only use it to just make the meat tender. You just beat it into this place where it's soft. And, and says, this is, this is the picture of God's heart. See, God's heart is this gentle, soft, tenderized, beaten and bloodied and bruised heart towards us. And when God looks at your sin, his heart is tender. His heart isn't hard-hearted. It's not bitter. It's tender and gentle. That's God's heart towards us and forgiving. That God forgives, that is such good news that because of Jesus being tenderized on the cross for us, because of him being bruised and bloodied and beaten on the cross for us, he forgives us and gives us grace. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And and it says, look, remember how Jesus did this for you? Remember how he was kind to you and tender-hearted towards you and forgiving towards you? This is God's main posture when dealing with us. God's main posture in dealing with us is grace. Not that we have to earn it. Not that we have to work for it. Not that we have to prove ourselves, but grace. How would that change our posture towards other people? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying it should change our posture towards other people. And again, I think we know that when it comes to our friends maybe even our family, 
maybe, maybe at church, but work is the biggest part of our life. What would change in your life? You know what it would mean? It means we don't gossip about other people. It means when someone wounds you at work, it means when someone hurts you at work, you don't go around and say, man, did you see what they did? Or I can't believe that they do that. You know, workplace gossip is just something everybody does. But if we were to deal with people in grace and a tender heart and a forgiving spirit, it means we might be gossiped about and we forgive. It means people might wrong us and, and harm us and we don't have to tell other people about it. It means we don't retaliate when someone you know, has done something against us and we say, well, then I'm not going to help you with this. You didn't help me with that. There's not retaliation, there's forgiveness, there's kindness, there's tenderheartedness. It means we would forgive people. It means we would show grace to people. It means we would seek to make peace with people. Whether that's because people have a problem with us, or we have a problem with them, or maybe even it's just in our work situation, we know two other people have a problem with, them, with each other, and we say, because I am coming with a posture of grace the way God has come to me, I'm here to make peace. See, that would be a, I mean, just think, if, if, you're, if, you're, if only your relationships, forget everything else I've said about work, if you want to, I mean, but if only your relationships at work were changed by the power of faith, that would radically change everything. You would be an entirely different citizen. People would go, where are you from? It'd be very different. If grace was our operating core in our relationships at work, if grace was the operating core and we were, we were willing to forgive, we were willing to, listen, this is what grace is. This is how Jesus has been to us. We were willing to sacrifice for others, even if they didn't deserve it. I, love, I, I mean, I, I love how t- Pastor Tim Keller, he's an author and a uh, best-selling author and pastor in Manhattan. And he has, in his book on work, he has an illustration on this uh, about a woman that was working in Manhattan. And, and just listen to this, how grace affected what happened to her. He says, she worked for a company in Manhattan, and not long after starting there, she made a big mistake that she thought would cost her the job. But her boss went to his superior and took complete responsibility for what she had done. As a result, he lost some of his reputation and ability to maneuver within the organization. She was amazed at what he had done and went to thank him. I mean, you've probably not had that happen to you. You're probably used to a boss taking credit for what you've done, but not taking credit for the faults that you've had. And that someone would really be willing to lose reputation for you. That someone would really be willing to lose possibly financial benefit for you. She told him that she had often seen supervisors take credit for what she'd accomplished, but she'd never seen a supervisor take the blame for something she had done wrong. She wanted to know what made him different. He was very modest and deflected her question, but she was insistent. Finally, he told her, I'm a Christian. That means, among other things, that God accepts me because Jesus Christ took the blame for the things that I have done wrong. He did that on the cross. This is why I have the desire and sometimes the ability to take the blame for others. She stared at him for a moment and asked, where do you go to church? I mean, if you start to do this, it's a very radical and different, it's, you're from a different kingdom. I mean, think about how Jesus has treated us. His posture towards us is exactly this. He took the blame for us. He lost reputation for us. 
This is what Paul is saying when he says, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And we might go, yeah, 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 I'm supposed to forgive because I'm a Christian. But it's so much deeper than that. It has the power to absolutely change your work relationships and your job entirely. So I want you to think about that. What, what would change at your job? If you just said, I'm going to treat people not as they've deserved or as they've earned, but I'm going to treat people based on grace. What would change? Maybe you're thinking about that difficult person. What would change with them? Or what would just change tomorrow and this week if you really said, here's my posture towards other people? Kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, in the same way that Jesus was to me. It would radically change things. See, this is what it means to be part of a different kind of kingdom. In the very beginning, I said, should our faith change our work? And, and Paul says that we're citizens citizens of a different kingdom. You see, being a part of a different kingdom looks differently because we have a different king. Being a part of a different kingdom is like this because we have a king like this. See, your work should change in so many different ways. The job that you choose should be affected by faith as if you're a part of a different kingdom because we have a king that says, I want to serve people in this world. I want to love and bless people in this world, which means if we're a part of that kingdom, we say, I want to serve people in this world. That our ethics change because we're a part of a different kingdom. We have a king that says, you know how I deal with people? I love them. You know what my highest ethic in, in, in dealing with people is? I love them. And if we're a part of that kingdom, if that's the kind of king we have, that changes our ethics and work. And you know what God's posture is as a king in this kingdom is, is he deals with people with grace and tender heart, which means if, if we're a part of that kingdom, we live in that king's values and say, I treat people with love and with grace. So this is our fourth week talking about all this. And you have a job, probably, maybe you're looking for one. And it might just be a job to you. It might just be a job. What if, what if the power of faith, what if the power of faith that people say can change their marriage or bring healing to their identity or help them with their path, what, what if the power of faith, what if the power of faith, and maybe you're just exploring Christianity, and, but what if what you hope faith could be isn't just this personalized, privatized thing, but what if it actually has the power to change your job? That is most of our, look, this is so important because our work is our life in some ways. And I'm not saying that because it's the most important thing. I'm saying it because it is what consumes most of our life. Honestly, I have a heart to say it would be really sad if we go about our life and 85% of it, if you're a Christian, 85% of your life is just cut off from God. And it's cut off from knowing him and it's cut off from who he is and what he's done. And think about the opposite of the effects that it could have in your life. If you really said, man, I want everything that God is and all that God has done for me. I want that to not just touch my Sunday and not just touch my evenings. And I want everything that God is and all that he's done for me to impact all of my life. And especially my work because that's where most of my life is spent. What if who God is became so real to you that you lived as a citizen of a different kingdom. You see, when we, when we take communion, you know what we're remembering? 
We're remembering that Jesus went to the cross to forgive us of our sins, yes. To give us his identity and his righteousness and his worth, yes, absolutely. We're remembering his body broken, his blood shed to forgive us. All of that is true. But what we're remembering is he came to save us. And salvation doesn't just mean that God came to forgive us. Salvation means he came to save us from something, our sin, but save us to something. An entirely different kingdom. An entirely different life. That God wants all of your life. Not just one point in time when you say, God, forgive me of my sin, and then we go about our our life. God wants to save you into a different kingdom so that all of your life is affected. All of your life is affected by who he is and what he's done for you. How, How horrible would it be of God if he was like, yeah, I don't care about the biggest part of your life. I only care about one day a week. See, God's better than that. God is a savior that brings us out of one kingdom And brings us into a new kingdom where we can experience his grace, his love, his truth, his service every single day. And that that can flow out of us then to others. What would happen if our church took this seriously? Maybe you're just checking stuff out. But if if you're here and this is your church, man, what would happen if our church really said our faith is going to be connected to our work? I mean, it it would be very different. It would be very different. We'd be a different kind of people that would radically affect us, but the people around us. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's why we spent four weeks talking about this. As we come and take communion, I want you to just remember this great truth. This is the God we have who has saved us, not just from something, but to something. So pray with me. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you bring us into your kingdom. I thank you that that you are a God that doesn't just want are us to experience forgiveness, but you want us to experience an entirely different kingdom with you, an entirely different life with you. And so I pray, God, that you would uh, just take uh, these four weeks that we've talked about this and make this truth real to our hearts and that our jobs would change, God. I pray for our church that our jobs would change, that the way we do our work, the way we choose our work, the way we uh, make moral choices at work, that it would change, God. And we would represent you, and we would take all that faith is and bring it into our jobs. I pray even this week that real change would happen, that we would live as citizens of your kingdom because you are our king. In this we pray, amen.